Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. This is a program about empowering people, giving people the tools they need to make informed consent in all areas of life. Today you're going to find out how a University of Birmingham, which is in the United Kingdom, study simply addresses drinking chocolate like a hot chocolate. Could it protect your heart when you're stressed? We're going to address that. We're going to also look at another study from the University of Birmingham about vitamin D deficiency is linked to metabolic changes in patients with lupus. Many people have lupus, so this is important, as is a study that we're going to talk about, about want a longer, healthier life, then resolve your arguments by the end of today. And that's Morgan State University. And we have more. But most of today's program will center around a letter. This is a letter that one of our listeners sent us, and I thank them for that. And it's about the bipolar corona politics, and it's from the COVID physician. Now, this is a physician who is a part of the health service in Great Britain, and I'll be reading it. And... It's a long letter, but he hits on he or she hits on many different topics, all of them relevant. Now, whether you agree or disagree, listen in and then give us some feedback on our talkback number of 888-874-488. But also today, you'll hear a short interview with Naomi Wolf, and uh, she's being interviewed by Steve Hilton, who does, by the way, some really good original interviews on Sunday night. And I want to thank him for that, the things I disagree with. But he manages to find things that nobody else is handling that is important and relevant on COVID. So he had an interview. Now, we've invited Naomi, so she'll be on probably next week for a full hour. What she has to say should startle everyone. And uh, so she's going to be on live next week. I have a whole group of, I've asked our producer, I'd like to interview Chris Hedges, Abby Martin, um, Max Blumenthal, Matt Taibbi, and, uh, and Glenn Greenwald on the issue of what is happening with the Great New Reset and who's behind it and how it's going to impact our lives because it's certainly going to impact them. In fact, what's happening now is impacting them because they've all been attacked. Their reputations are being trashed. They're being deplatformed. So they'll become irrelevant. And yet these are the most relevant voices that we have. So these are very important times. That's why I'm spending more time on this issue than what I would normally have. But we begin with the latest on health and healing. So here's what it comes down to. If you simply increase your consumption of flavanols, that's a group of molecules occurring naturally in fruits and vegetables, you could protect yourself from mental stress, induce cardiovascular events, meaning you could help lessen the likelihood of a stroke, heart disease, thrombosis. Researchers have discovered that if blood vessels were able to function better during mental stress when people were given a chocolate drink containing high levels of flavanols and a thin membrane of cells lining the heart and blood vessels. When functioning efficiently, the endothelium helps to reduce the risk of peripheral vascular disease and stroke and heart disease and diabetes and kidney failure, tumor growth, thrombosis, and severe viral infections. We know that mental stress can have a negative effect on blood vessel function. Hence, people who worry all the time, who are angry all the time, who are judgmental all the time, the woke generation, and people before them who simply couldn't get their hand on the handle to stop overreacting personally to everything. Those people literally are worrying themselves to death because of the simple mechanisms 
of negative effects on blood vessel function. So a United Kingdom research team from the University of Birmingham examined the effects of chocolate flavanols on stress-induced changes on vascular function, and they published in the peer-reviewed journal Nutrients. And I give this because these are all current. Everything we're doing is current here. So you can go to the original journals and download them. Now, we know that you're going to get flavanols from fruits and vegetables. And we know that by having more fruits and vegetables and flavanols, you're reducing your cardiovascular risks and helping have a heart that is healthier and less prone to disease and also your vascular vulnerability. And so when you talk about cardiovascular, the vascular and cardio go together. Your blood vessels, your veins, your arteries, your capillaries, and increasing good circulation going into the brain, that is important. So quite simply, if it's, if it's one simple thing, in this case it was a randomized study with postgraduates, um, and they drank a flavanol-rich cocoa or chocolate beverage 90 minutes before competing in a stress task. And it showed a difference in that little time. So simply put some good chocolate into your diet each day. Also from the University of Birmingham, vitamin D deficiency is linked to metabolic changes in patients with lupus. Now reverse it. If you have vitamin D at the right amounts, meaning three to 5,000 units a day, you're protecting yourself against immune dysfunctional related conditions or immune susceptible conditions such as all of your coronaviruses, all your cold viruses, your flu viruses, and others. So that's good. But you're also, you're also having to realize that you're protecting yourself against metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance, both factors linked to heart disease if you have low levels of vitamin D. So take a study that was published in the peer-reviewed journal Rheumatology and reverse it. If you're going to suffer from lupus, and which is linked to heart disease, by the way, and because you're low in vitamin D, taking vitamin D shows you the benefits of preventing these conditions and living a longer life. Now, Oregon State University has a way that you can live a longer life. A recent Oregon State University study found that when people feel they have resolved an argument, the emotional response associated with that disagreement is significantly reduced and in some situations almost entirely erased. That reduction in stress can have a major impact on your overall health. If you remember back on many occasions, I've suggested six things to do before you go to bed at night to help you get a better night's sleep and deeper uh, sleep to release more melatonin. First, I suggested no foods within three hours of going to bed. If you're hungry, take some, take some uh, lemon water or take some, an ice cube, just suck on an ice cube. Turns off that desire for food. If you need to eat something, eat just some organic popcorn. That won't impact your blood sugar. Make sure that you have no sound coming in, so put some earplugs in. Also, make sure there's no lights on. If you have light coming in from outside, put a curtain on. But light is important to disrupting sleep. Even when your eyelids are closed, they're not thick enough in the membranes to prevent outside light, exogenous light from penetrating. Then make sure that you unplug, not turn off, unplug all electrical appliances and keep an alarm clock, a digital alarm clock, at least eight feet away from your head. And most importantly, better than anything, is just sit for a few moments before you go to bed and write a list, make it in order of importance, number one, most important, number two, next important, what you intend to address in the morning that will resolve an issue. This is the anti-anxiety worry list. You didn't get something done, or it only got partially done, or it was done but not resolved. So now we want to go to resolution. 
If you go to bed with all this in your mind, your left brain is going to keep processing this. So write it down, and it's a way of disconnecting that from being important in this moment that allows you a deeper sleep. So reduction in stress is a major improvement in the quality of our lives. So this was done by a professor in the College of Public Health and Human Sciences. Quote, resolving your arguments is quite important for maintaining well-being in daily life. I'll be doing a program coming up on a whole hour on progressive commentary on de-stressing naturally because not personalizing everything, not trying to win every argument, not having a comeback after every statement is very, very important to just maturing and having more positive emotions. Remember, in life, there's an old Chinese saying, those who seek vengeance must dig two graves. And from a Konkuk University in South Korea, they show that ginseng, and a particular ginotonin, G-I-N-T-O-N-I-N, attenuates disruptions of brain microvascular permeability and microvascular endothelial junctional proteins. Now, that's the scientific part of it. But in just lay language, we have to understand that we, we are not in a good position when we have the, the amyloid plaque deposited in our brain. We're not in a good place when there is the hippocampal neurogenesis in the cortex and the hippocampus when it's unregulated. These are things that occur. And then we're not good when the blood-brain barrier is allowing toxicants to penetrate it. So something that can help the brain turn off inflammation. And we need something that's adaptogenic that is also helping our immune system at the same time. And that's ginseng. One more of the 5,000-plus articles on ginseng from peer-reviewed literature. Also, if you really want to do something about your health, and I have this all the time, and here's generally how that argument goes. Um, A member of my family, I'm told, and this is in the last two weeks, I've had two of these conversations by people who I personally know. A brother, a sister, a mother, a father is sick. They have a very serious illness, stage four cancers. Okay, can you help? Sure, I can help. Uh, I'd like to speak with them. Well, no. Why not? Well, because they're not into health and they don't believe in any of this, and I've already talked to them, and they uh, say they're not going to do anything. Why? Well, because they don't want to change. Okay, and that reminded me of a conversation I had about five months ago. It was with a nurse, and uh, this nurse said the following to me at one of my annual examinations where I get everything checked, blood chemistry, etc. Oh, you're that you're into real health, aren't you? I said, yes. Yeah, well, I'm not into that. No, my grandmother lived to be 103, and she smoked, she drank, she ate bacon, she ate white bread, she did whatever she wanted to do. And so that's how I live my life. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. We're all going to die. But I don't want to deprive myself nothing. Nothing? Nothing. <laughs> I'm not a health preacher. I'm not a modern-day Elmer Gantry. I'm not in a bully pulpit holding a health book in one hand and, and pounding the desk with the other, saying, you must, you must, you must. No. No, if anyone's interested in what I have to say, they'll seek me out and see if anything I make, uh, make reasonable uh, suggestions to them can be used. If not, discard it. I'm not, uh, I'm not evangelical. Okay, well, then the conversation stopped. She was looking for some kind of argument. But I could, have, I could have had her meet my older brother, Howard. He would have given the same identical argument when he smoked four-pack cigarettes a day. 
and ate bologna sandwiches. In fact, I went to stay with him one weekend when I went back to Parkersburg for a reunion. And I said, I'm going to stay at the Bland Hazard Hotel. And he's, no, 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 stay here. So I went into his house. And uh, first thing I did is I went to take a shower. <clears throat> and I walked back out. I said, Howard, I said, are they filming a science fiction series here? He says, why? I said, because there's some creatures I've never seen before in your bathtub, your toilet bowl. And I can't see my face in the mirror because there's so much flecking from the flecking that you do when you, uh, you know, take a, um, the, the floss between your teeth. Do you ever clean this? Well, it's okay. I said, Howard, it's not okay. The whole side of the bathtub is black. That's mold. Well, never hurt anybody else. Okay. So I, uh, I had to act literally had to, had to wash myself, uh, from getting a, a bowl, which I had to sterilize from the, from the sink. But then I opened up his refrigerator. He said, hunger, get something to eat. So I opened up the refrigerator. And I said, Howard, um, when was the last time you cleaned out your freezer? Freezer? It doesn't need to be cleaned. I said, but it's all ice. Well, it's supposed to be ice. It's a freezer. I said, no, Howard. No, I, I'm looking in here, and I'm pretty sure that we could carbon date some of your ice about 2,000 years. And uh, and this says mustard on the outside. Howard, it, it's it's purple. I've never heard of a purple mustard. What are you complaining about? There's some bologna in there. I said, Howard, I've never eaten bologna. <clears throat> but fine. And I could not find a single thing that was healthy in his refrigerator. Not a single thing. But that's him. And his excuse would be that he knew someone who lived a long life, who did everything, you know, unhealthy. And I said, yes, you will find those people. For every person that is able to do all that, I'll show you a million people who tried and died early. So... Just remember, everything in life is cause and effect, and it's cumulative. So when you're adding sugar into your diet, according to this Arizona State University report, you're contributing to liver disease among children. They looked at 20 scientific studies, and also from the Translational Genomic Research Institute in the City of Hope, and they looked for what was causing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is it's an epidemic across the globe today. Quote, the prevalence of fatty liver disease is escalating not only in adults, but also in children. Like type 2 diabetes, non-alcoholic liver, uh, fatty liver disease used to be considered a disease that developed only in adulthood. That is no longer true. And this was published in the peer-reviewed journal Pediatric Obesity. Now, by the way, to tell you how bad it is, non-alcoholic <clears throat> non fatty liver disease affects more than 1 in 10 children. That's 10% of all the children. That would be about 6 million children. That's a lot of children. And that is the most common chronic liver disease within our population. And it can lead to a what is a chronic condition that has serious implications, including liver transplants and death. And uh, so, and it's about the sugar. Glucose is absorbed into your intestine. It's the body's preferred carbohydrate-based energy. And fructose must first be converted by the liver into glucose before the body can use it for energy. And that's how it happens. So, get rid of the sugar, all refined sugars, if you want to protect your liver. That's the latest on health and healing. We are 19 minutes into our program. We're going to take a break. When we come back, first I'm going to go to a couple clips because I'm going to, one clip leads to another. The first clip that you're going to hear when we come back, I want to thank Valentina Farshi for sending this. She is one of our uh, probably seven or eight citizen journalists that supply a lot of material that I wouldn't know about. And this is a gentleman named David Harris. He's going to talk for a few seconds in this clip, but then it goes to a longer clip of Steve Hilton interviewing Naomi Wolf. 
That's what's really important. But I want to thank people who are sharing this information. Back in a moment. Please sit with us. This right here should wake up every single American when it comes to this vaccine and these vaccine passports. I am not overstating this. I can't. First, it was endless war. Now they want endless war on COVID. You think they're just going to let you get back to normal life and live it all in freedom after this? Not a chance. They love the power. They love the control. They love being the center of attention. They're not giving this up. Now they want vaccine passports to control who can go where, when. In England, they're talking about a government vaccine certificate to go to the pub. In New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo is handing out contracts to IBM for a Big Brother health passport system. In New Jersey, Rutgers University won't let students into classes without a vaccine certificate. And now a bunch of power crazed doctors just argued in the Wall Street Journal that we need a digital rapid detection system, integrating information from all sources, including routine reports to health authorities from medical providers, data from contact tracing databases, digital surveillance apps. Just today, the Biden administration said they're working towards developing a new nationwide vaccine passport standard. On and on it goes. A nightmare, Orwellian, infrastructure of control, an unprecedented, undemocratic power grab by big business, big government, big bureaucracy. No, no, no. Here to react, author of The End of America, letter, a letter of warning to a young patriot, Dr. Naomi Wolf. So excited that you could join us tonight. I'm just going to hand it over to you. What do you make of what we're about to see? I mean, thank you, Steve. I'm really happy to be here. I can't I, I am not overstating this. I can't say it forcefully enough. This is literally the end of human liberty in the West if this plan unfolds as planned. Vaccine passport sounds like a fine thing if you don't understand what those platforms can do. I'm CEO of a tech company. I understand what this platform does. It's not about the vaccine. It's not about the virus. It's about your data. And once this rolls out, you don't have a choice about being part of the system. What people have to understand is that any other functionality can be loaded onto that platform mm. with no problem at all. And what that means is um, it can be merged with your PayPal account, with your digital currency. Microsoft uh, is already talking about merging it with um, payment plans. Your uh, networks can be sucked up. It geolocates you everywhere you go. Your credit history can be included. All of your medical history can be included. This has already happened in Israel. Yeah. And six months later, we're hearing from activists that it's a two-tier society and that basically activists are ostracized and surveilled continually. It's the end of civil society. And they're trying to roll it out around the world. And it is absolutely so much more than a vaccine pass. It is... It, I cannot stress yes. enough that it has the power to turn off your life or to turn on your life, to let you engage in society or be marginalized. And by the way, the last thing I'll say, IBM has a horrible history uh, with Nazi yes. Germany. Its subsidiary created a kind of precursor of this with punch cards that allowed the Nazis to keep lists of, again, a two-tiered society, Aryan and Jew, in such a way that they could round up Jews, round up dissidents, round up opposition leaders very, very quickly. It's catastrophic. It it cannot be allowed to continue. Wow, that was so powerful, such great information and so important for us to understand. And you really made me see it in its proper context. And the other thing it reminds me of, of course, is the Chinese regime today and the social credit system that they're using for exactly the kind of purposes that you're describing. Let's talk about how to fight this. I mean, we're completely in agreement about how appalling this is. What do you think we can do? Well, you're exactly right, Steve, to mention China. I mean, how do you keep a billion people under the thumb of a totalitarian regime? The CCP can find any dis dissident within five minutes, and that can happen here literally within months. Um, how do we fight it? Well, that's a longer conversation, but I've launched uh, on my own platform a kind of freedom movement for left and right to come together to run people mm. for state senate, to run people against tyrannical governors like Gavin Newsom, my own governor, Cuomo, who's rolling out this tyrannical pass, you know, 
under emergency powers um, and to, to really unite to, to take back our Constitution. But we have to bring lawsuits, and there have to be investigations. I mean, this violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. It violates HIPAA. It violates the First Amendment. It violates the Fourth Amendment. And we have to call up an army of lawyers and fund them to, you know, bring every lawsuit, okay. but also just refuse to comply. This is brilliant. I'm so excited to hear you speak. Okay, that this will be a longer conversation. I would love to have you back and let's get really into it because this is serious. This is coming so up just as we reported just today. The Biden administration is moving forward with this. So we've got to fight it. Dr. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much. That's Naomi Wolf. We will look forward to seeing her for an in-depth interview next week. But this to show you that they're exploiting this at every level, and they have all the power. They control the White House, the legislature, both Senate and the House. They control the media, and they're part of uh, Silicon Valley. They're protected uh, in, in every context because nobody can criticize them because there's no social platforms that allow any criticism of anything involving COVID on. You're immediately censored and everything is deplatformed. So now I'm going to read a letter. This is from the COVID physician. It's a little long, and some of the names in it I'm not familiar with because they're obviously people who are in the government in Great Britain. But there's enough said that you'll understand his position or her position, whoever wrote this. And then I'd like you to call in and share your comments and points of view because we're going in this direction. By the way, for the person that uh, sent me the email of this woman giving a six-minute talk about the new, the new reality should be nobody should be allowed to engage in uh, dangerous speech. And she changed what had been considered hate speech because she said you can not engage in hate speech, nothing hateful, but it's dangerous, and therefore it's a dangerous society, and therefore a person should be and must be uh, not allowed to talk. That would mean you and no one would be allowed to talk on any topic that adversely affects government or corporations or the media or anything. You couldn't talk about our involvement in uh, countries around the world, regime change. You couldn't talk about what the FBI and CIA and all the others involved in systemic crimes do. <clears throat> you couldn't challenge the food industry for its bad products, and you couldn't challenge any of medicine, including the landmark uh, book that we wrote, five of us physicians and, and PhDs with a background in research, called Death by Medicine. That wouldn't be allowed, based upon what her principles are. And this is how it gets started. Remember a few years ago I told you about the woman who said that uh, you can't just hold someone's hand, even if it's your husband or wife, brother or sister, unless you get permission because it's a violation, it's some form of assault. This is how insane the world has gotten. This is how immature and irresponsible these people contribute nothing to the world except their angst. So we have a whole society filled with angst blamers doing nothing for themselves except complaining and making sure that there's divisiveness at every level. So I'm going to deal with that in a commentary on Monday. Elixir of the Gods. Pharma marketeers have not accidentally happened upon the COVID-19 elixir of control. They have made countless practice runs. Think of all the quasi-pandemics in the last 20 years. Think of how statin drugs the propaganda captured the upper middle classes for a generation. I remember general practice at the time. Patients would quote the Daily Mail and beg me to put them on a statin drug. A few years later, the same would quote the same newspaper and beg to be taken off them because their muscles ached terribly and about turn, but the smell of fear never left them. I recall the surreal feeling at the time. I was a doctor or or was I a life insurance salesman? In 2014, as patients fled, patents uh, loosened and other formulations competed. The NICE guidelines, NICE, N-I-C-E, I'm not sure what that stands for, but that's probably one of their FDA 
like uh, systems halved the statistical risk threshold at which statins should be prescribed. It captured 4.5 million more consumers. As an aside, to give you an example of that, when I wrote an article showing you that the amount of uh, pesticides, including DDT, that were in women's bodies back in the early 1970s before it was banned, uh, the FDA did something smart. It simply increased how much could be allowed in your body before it was considered toxic. And when that was breached, increase it more. So if at one point they said one part per DDT was bad, now it could be a thousand parts or a million parts before it was bad. This was just manipulating the statistics so they never had to be responsible for banning the damn stuff. <clears throat> we finally got that ban in 1972. Now back to what he's saying, and he's saying they did the same thing here with uh, statins. I would never take statins unless I had a, a familial condition, hyperlipidemia. In those inheritable conditions, one can quickly see the thick, miscible layer of human fat float to the top of a resting blood sample. For anything else, put me, on, uh, put me to work on a farm on an unrefined natural diet does the same thing. Pre-COVID Britons, in this country, we're, we're a more ancient version, soft tyrants like Johnson, I guess that's Boris Johnson, the prime minister, and Sage would have stopped tickling the underbellies of the World Health Organization and ubiquitous Gates Foundation. They would have been driven out of the village with brickbats by now. The socially inept, the politically adapt Bill Gates is so emboldened by humanity's mass surrender. He, as their vaccinator and farmer-in-chief, asked them to eat Soylent Green rather than beef. Now he is proselytizing us to drink boiled, filtered excrement rather than fresh water. <clears throat> that he, there, as an aside, he's referring to some kind of technology. The Japanese first showed how you could take a, a human excrement and make it into hamburger patties, and people liked it, okay? And now they're showing that, you know, you could do the same thing with water, some system of filtration. Back to it. This is a far cry from the organic, GMO-free, natural, healthy lifestyle the corporates sold us yesteryear. The same sheep are now beguiled with sustainability and its underlying code for every crap, or let's talk, population call. Gates finds the human operating system far more programmable and profitable than the silicon-based one. He has devoted the last decade to the construction of a tendril-like business portfolio and biosecurity agenda to convince us vaccines are more important than us. His abnormal urgency to give the whole world unnecessary experimental gene therapy and the incomprehensible willingness of the world's governments to dance to his tune must be understood and contained. If not, there is a risk his hubris and obscure agenda will damage the pre-existing mass consent to any vaccination and kill liberty. By the way, he's, as an aside, the World Health Organization had 190 countries sign off where they cannot challenge them. Uh, so when the vaccine agenda comes out, and it has, it's Bill Gates and Gavi, both of which are funded by Bill Gates, funding the World Health Organization, and therefore having control over it. So it's really Bill Gates having the control over 190 countries in the world when it comes to the vaccines. That's why you don't see them complaining or breaking rank. Quote, the uh, intertwining public-private biosecurity partnerships with the World Health Organization with its binding international treaty of over 190 countries uh, and uh, with the Gavi and the uh, World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation, a massive individual funder of the World Health Organization, have effectively become the unelected, unaccountable, and irresistible world government. The worry is their view becomes the only implementable one. The work of Gates through the Swiss tax exile of Gavis is thought to have a 
contractual de facto diplomatic immunity from legal and criminal liability. He is effectively a one-man, marauding state entity who becomes a biofascist global emperor each time a pandemic is pronounced by the World Health Organization. By that, by that, uh, what he said there about the contractual de facto diplomatic immunity, Bill Gates, and we don't know the outcome, <clears throat> but he was insisting that the World Health Organization give him and other countries that they were working with, that would be 190 countries, give him complete legal and criminal liability immunity. So he couldn't be arrested or sued for anything involving this. Now the next section, mentally bipolar coronavirus. <clears throat> In addition to the mental damage of lockdown by industrial-scale fear-mongering, there's another mentally destructive duality, the poorly evidenced and irrational conviction of governments, which degrades common sense and human experience. Both narratives cannot coexist without some annihilative consequences. The authorities have also created a parallel pandemic of assorted neuroses and mental health illnesses. What are the more severe pandemics of child autism, malaria, and tuberculosis? Not of immediate profitable importance. However, when a patentable experimental sledgehammer to crack a nut gene therapy is found, the gods re-Christian yet an emergency mandatory universal vaccine. Humans cannot tolerate such contradictions for long, even with coercion. It is unsustainable, for it is against their natures. The knowledge, technology, and the will now exist to coerce and imprison humankind into perpetual mental submission. If we succumb now, there may be no way out. Having captured the food chain, nations, capital, and sovereignty of our mind, body, and spirit, the victor of this struggle may rule ad infinitum. CMO, uh, CMO must be one of their health agencies, man named Witty, supports the notion that unvaccinated doctors should be subjected to GMC, uh, the General Medical Council, discipline. Sanctioning doctors for refusing unnecessary experimental gene therapy is an extraordinary suggestion, even in today's unnuanced universe. I see it as part of a propagandized neoliberal movement to create a libertarian underclass. How soon before vaccine-declining patients are also excluded from the doctor-patient relationship? You don't see a, you don't get a vaccine, you don't get to see a doctor. Witty is but one very flawed supra specialized man without the necessary broad vision and holistic medical experience to aid his reason. He does not have the confidence of all his colleagues. His conduct suggests a man long lost to the allure of managerial, bureaucratic, and commercial power. There was a time when the General Medical Council would have erased Witty from the medical register for coercing patients into unethical, experimental, commercially advantageous treatments. Criminal charges would have been brought, possibly. <clears throat> Alas, Woody was a, has a certain professional criminal immunity, which doctors Mengele and Shipman did not. A key difference with, with Woody is he targets all of us at once, but all three believed they were righteous. Think of that for a moment. Now, I don't know who this Woody is. I don't know if what he's saying is true or not, but he's he's putting him right up there with Dr. Mengele. I don't know who Doc, uh, this shipment is, but what he's suggesting in the larger non-personal context is people who do things that end up not being true, not being right, even being wrong, even if they think they're right, it all comes out the same. You have a lot of innocent victims. That's the larger non-personal message back. There's also a sophisticated population stratifying and targeting discrimination all three share. The National Health Service, uh, where a vulnerable government propaganda machine since April uh, 2020, 
Now they are the societal problem. Not only is the government reporting that a significant proportion of National Health Service doctors, nurses refuse the vaccine, they release data suggesting it is a peculiar uh, employee issue. They have gone so far as to target the incredibly valuable Filipino nurses, especially many of whom may be on a work-dependent visas. Um, patently refusing vaccination is not about color, but the governments are making it seem so. Joe Biden says something similar, but obliquely. It is a sinister, divisive, carrot-stick strategy tantamount to sugar-coating race-baiting. It has been long clear vaccines cause harm, and no person is qualified to course another into unnatural harm. The die was cast for Witty a long time ago. He plays his role predictably in an elaborate battle of chess for domination over our lives. Even if he doubts his convictions, he has not had the courage to lose face or lose his job. Instead, he's going to create an exodus of good doctors and nurses from the National Health Service. He is a reason why people's faith in government and medicine has been shattered this year. That Witte is confident that he can take on a whole medical profession of wiser, more bioethical, morally inclined, patient-centered colleagues is a measure of how far medically driven technocratic totalitarianism has come in one year. Aside, replace Witte with Fauci. Same thing in America. When the General Medical Council and the CMO demonstrate this unethical approach to bioethics, our society has a profound disease. The government mis misleads with the rhetoric of save our national health services. Surely the ultimate aim is to do no harm and save human lives. In this, the government has consistently failed. The National Health Service is not a life to be saved. It is an instrument that was set up to save us, not for us to save it, and certainly not to kill us. Its only risk of death has been every successive neoliberal government since 1979. All of the National Health Service requires is depoliticizing funding and intelligent management to save people's lives where it is a realistic impossible to do so. The National Health Service needs to be vaccinated against politicians and pharma. Good line there. <clears throat> Saving an 82-year-old with the common terminal event of a winter lower respiratory tract infection has always been difficult, even in a well-funded National Health Service, not to mention a terminally defunded one forever teetering on an impossible precipice between chaos management and barely coping, and all for the sake of getting rid of a couple of extra winter surge capacity wards in each hospital. How much more idler is each hospital now due to COVID? Our government has committed itself to the collusion course of impossible rapid pharmaceutical solutions. Rather than put the science first, and first do no harm, it still prefers to hurt us, both with lockdowns and the harsh reality of misdirected vaccines and gene therapy. Expect the neoliberal coup de grace to be announced if you desire freedom from lockdown and coarse treatments, except that your health, National Health Service is dead. The blunt reality is, if you can afford private health care, Coronavirus regulations do not affect your health care. The only bottleneck is on National Health Service care as a matter of policy, not necessity. Ambulance chasing Johnson, that would be the Prime Minister, and Hancock, probably a member of Congress, remain gripped in this, and the United Kingdom suffers Stockholm Syndrome. It has fallen in love with its coronavirus captor. The global response is neither characteristically scientific nor medical. It is more an expression of corrupt, profiteering, public-private collusion between corporate-captured states, Machiavellian individuals and supranational uh, bodies that expression utilizes the corporate tactics of public relations, management, uh, human resources, and health and safety 
risk aversion to create the end product, which is a rapid siphoning off of wealth and autonomy from the individual to the state and its corporate handlers. First world pandemics have become a contrivance. It should now be clear that there are screen-played pandemics with a disproportionate response, and then there are obvious, severe pandemics. COVID-19 is the first variety of a magnitude often seen before and not worthy of the disproportionate damage of the response. In this type of pandemic, people do not realize there is one unless they wear a useless mask and uh, fail to wear one. It is the variety that does not require doctors, but rather deranged policemen to ogle and 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 reprise aggressively in their uh, in their fellow man's face before punching it. Corporations have joined in this with gusto. Morrison's banged and masked exempt with yellow stickers and other talk of no jab, no job. This is a fascistic control backed by the big live of Joseph Goebbels. It would not be so bad if there was a traditional vaccine that was non-experimental, safe, and well-proven. But there isn't. Rather than meddling with 8 billion people's immune systems unnecessarily, it would be better to let the infection run its course because 99.97% survive, and predominantly it is the over-80s dying slightly prematurely relative to the normal um, age of death. Even the CDC records record over 1,200 U.S. vaccine-related deaths, 25,000 significant reactions, and an average age of death from the vac- with the vaccines of 77 years. The danger of death by vaccine for some may be exponentially greater than by COVID. It really is a case of more dis- diminishing returns, except for the, the political victory and the litigation-free Uh, unimaginable riches the pharmaceutical elite will make to further consolidate their dominion. The emphasis to to emphasize the rarity of deaths, an average general practitioner looking at 6,000 patients would statistically record 1.8 COVID deaths at the gross global mortality over the year of 0.03%. Thus, it is entirely conceivable. My experience in a, in a practice of 6,000, mainly under 65 patients, has not actually had one documented death from COVID. He's saying he's got 6,000 patients, <clears throat> and he's seen none that have died from COVID. This is not even after reasonably reducing the death rate further by the fact that the purported death rate is artificially heightened by well known but under-emphasized measurable anomalies. Just as many died, a half a million, in the United Kingdom in 2020 as in any other year. This is also the case with Sweden. These countries' patterns of COVID mortality over the year were similar. Neil Ferguson suggested that United Kingdom mortality might double in, to one million in the first wave alone. That is the cumulative death toll from covid is stated at 120,000 in the United Kingdom over the last two respiratory virus seasons should strongly suggest an industrial misattribution of causes of death. By the way, this Neil Ferguson, he has gotten it wrong every time, and he was the one that caused all these artificial mathematical model figures of death to then start having everyone freak out and do the uh, lockdowns. He's terribly wrong. Quote, In Sweden, where mitigation was practically absent, Ferguson's model predicted an unmitigated 96,000 deaths by June 2020. Well, by March 2021, a year and a half later, or a year and a quarter later, their deaths were 13,000. 96,000, he predicted, 13,000 died. And that was in a longer period of time. In the more innocent medical times, one to two million died of Hong Kong flu globally, with 80,000 in the United Kingdom. So it goes on. And then finally, before we finish and go to calling in, hype, the hyperpolarization. We live in an extraordinary time when the world can be 
pandemic positive and negative simultaneously. Thus, I find my medical observations are becoming more politically tinged as I realize that the coronavirus situation is more a creation of political expedience, arbitrariness, and superstition than a medical science. Vaccination has become a political act. Politicians have co-opted all knowledge, expertise, and science and weaponized it beyond recognition. Big Pharma has captured governments. Mainstream media has uncritically lapped and regurgitated it all up for our constant uh, propaganda. There is no alternative perspective. World medical experts have been propagandized and censored out of existence. The result is an unsustainable polarization of the mass consciousness where those with courage, knowledge, and those losing out in lockdown are neutralized. This is very bad for humankind, whatever side you believe you bat on. Hence, I've decided to present an unbiased opinion on this occasion based upon my previous accounts and analysis of the past. And then it goes on from there. That's about half the article, by the way. You can read the whole article on GaryNall.com. Now, I'd like to hear what you think. Mind you, we're seeing thousands, tens of thousands of scientists and doctors who are mainstream, pro-vaccine, pro-orthodoxy, now standing up, finding the courage to talk back. 888-874-488, that's our talkback number. We'd like to see if you have an opinion. Please share it. While you're, while I'm waiting for those calls, and hopefully they'll be coming, because I'm always interested in what you have to say, I think there's an awful lot that we could uh, that we could do here uh, with input. I want to thank uh, Sevi from Brooklyn, or Sevi Brooklyn. I also want to thank a few more people. I want to thank uh, Valentina Farsi, Gary, Dr. Gary Coles, um, Glenn Friendly, uh, Greg Patton, Michael, and J.P. Morin, because these are outstanding uh, citizen journalists who are taking upon themselves to send in information that I would not have known because I'm mainly reading the peer-reviewed scientific literature every day. And uh, they're checking up on the web, seeing what's of interest, trying to determine its accuracy, and then sending it over. So thank you for that. And uh, also, uh, there there's a person who made a donation here, and uh, I'll get to his name in a moment. I want to thank him. Now, here's a special for you. And this is a really terrific special. You're going to get a full bottle of immune stuff, a full bottle of green stuff. You're going to get two documentaries, Building the Immune System Naturally. You haven't seen that before. That is a different one than a supercharger immune system. And Life Energies. If there's one thing that I've done to help a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, correct what's wrong in their life on all levels, is they watch Life Energies and figure out which of the six Life Energies they actually are. In any case, the whole package is $234.99. Your price is $134. You're saving $100. Why would you be interested in uh, the immune stuff? Well, how about this? How about looking up in the peer-reviewed literature astragalus, ascorbic acid, orange juice, L-lysine, uh, acerola extract, amla berry, AMLA, uh, citrus bioflavonoids, turmeric, that's where you get your curcumin, green tea, olive leaf extract, echinacea, purpurea extract, tin blend mushrooms. I'm talking about the organic maitake, reishi, cordyceps, uh, turkey tail, uh, lion's mane, uh, shiitake, azulin, etc. Uh, they're all in there. And then I'm adding in grapeseed extract, rutin, probiotics, zinc, piperine, piperine and uh, selenium. If you can do better than that, show me, because I don't know better than that. So that's the new immune stuff. Now, for green stuff, think of the special blend of organic kale and organic barley grass and spinach and parsley and carrots and oat beta-glucan and astragalus and asparagus, spirulina, celery, onion, cauliflower, cabbage, broccoli, radishes, broccoli sprouts, collard greens, apples. Yeah. 
over 16 vegetables and tons of phytonutrients. This is the real McCoy, green stuff. So you're going to get that full bottle of immune stuff, full bottle of green stuff, and you're going to take them both each morning together and throw an extra supremacy. And then you can say yes to your heart, your body, your everything that is important in your body. You're giving it what the body will appreciate. Now, there's a number you call to get all this. And I'm going to give you that number right now. This is our special. And you're saving $100, by the way. 877 and it'll be shipped out today. Mike from New Jersey. Hi, Mike. Your turn. Uh, Hey, Gary. Thanks for that article. Um, It really, for me, there's so much to unwrap, but what I wanted to just bring out was what I'm experiencing at work now is the shaming of, of people who who won't answer if they're getting the vaccine. I've had so many people ask me and my coworkers, oh, are you getting the vaccine? I just got my second shot. I can't wait. And I'm like, well, uh, that's a personal choice. What? And the shaming that's going on out there and then what's going on with employers. And and it's, I'm, I'm at a loss. And I just thought your article really hit home for me. So thank you for that. What kind of work do you do? I work in a not-for-profit. Okay. I'll give you an idea of how to do this because it's going to get ugly. In fact, it's going to get so ugly that I'm suggesting that people begin in some states, the states where it's going to be ugliest will be New York because of the utter corruption at every level from the city council uh, right up through the governor's office and the legislature is in New Jersey, California, Michigan, You're going to start seeing people now looking to move to states that have a respect for the Constitution, individual liberties, and freedom of choice. Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, Florida, South Dakota are some. And then you look further and see, is it sustainable? Are there intentional communities? Are there more progressive-minded people? Uh, And quality of life. And then I'm suggesting people, including younger people, start looking for more rural communities. You're less likely to be affected by 5G. You're less likely to be hassled because communities tend to stick together. And that's always important. So I'm suggesting that people work towards looking that direction because otherwise you're going to wake up one day and you're not going to be able to leave a state or gain a state. Look right now. There are people who cannot leave certain places. you can't get into Australia. Um, it's, it, they, they have a long waiting, and some people have been out of the country for a year trying to get back in. They, and the, in, in Canada, even if you test negative, you've got to stay in a hotel for three days, and that hotel is a hotel they put you in. They get you at the airport. They drive you in these you know, dark-colored, winded vans to a place like your drug, uh, a drug mule that's been captured. And they charge you $3,000 for three days to stay in some junky hotel. And uh, the food they give you is like hot dogs or pizza. And there's generally a six to seven hour wait to get stuff. Now, in, I'm going to do a whole series on how utterly corrupt Canada is at every level. I'm going to rip the mask off. And the people who are doing this are from Covert Action Quarterly, the outstanding investigative reporting magazine. Uh, starting with the person that won the Nobel Peace Prize, but who was really a war hawk to the nth degree. We live by illusion. So there are places I would not live. I would move out of a state in a heartbeat if it dictated every citizen that state had to have a, a, a vaccine. But they're going to do it a little differently. Now that they have absolute power and they don't even pretend to care about any human being, everything is politics, everything is race, when in real life it's not. And so we're going to uh, to end up looking at what is more important, my freedom to live healthy and a life that I want or to be a part of this, this new society that they're making. 
So just tell people who ask you, hey, I got my vaccine, got my first, now I'm going to get my second. You say, good for you, good for you. Or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting right up there. That's all you say. Getting up where is none of their business. It's just an empty statement. But then that stops it because then you'll be called out. You'll be isolated. You'll be shamed. You'll be attacked verbally and they'll try to get you fired. And now employers will be able to fire you if you don't get the mandate. So what we're going to do now, we're going to see thousands of lawsuits being filed. They're already in the process. I'm a part of that. I'm, I'm, I have my own in-house counsel forming lawsuits, and we're working with Robert Kennedy Jr. and a lot of attorneys, a lot of law firms around the world. So we're going to win this only by moving to where it's safe, safer, and supporting our freedoms. Anyone else wants to get vaccinated? Anyone else wants to be a part of the, that uh, corporatized uh, new society? That's their business. That's their right. I'm not going to talk them out of it. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Thank you for, very much. Okay, Mike. All the best. Thanks. We're out of time, everyone. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.